All right. Um, hey, just real quick, this is your first time here. My name is Ricardo Stewart. I'm one of the pastors, and usually I do a bulk of the preaching. But today we're going to take a break off on the series of Acts, as we've been saying for the past few weeks. We get an opportunity to hear from some mothers here today and grandmothers and their perspectives on mothering. And so we had a great time last service, and I think we're going to have a good time again today. So would you guys do me a favor and um, go ahead and have a nice, long, welcoming transition clap for the moms as they make their way to the stage. funny as you guys are clapping as they walk on the stage and they have their kids here they're like you guys haven't thanked me for something in your whole life and now you're clapping for me when I walk on the stage so um, so here's why we're doing this okay someone asked why are we doing this one we don't get a chance to hear from um, our mothers we don't get a chance a whole lot to hear from the women and their perspective and so forth and today as being Mother's Day we wanted to be able to just give it to the women here and so there's gonna be four um, people who are gonna be sharing today um, all who have been integral in the part of mothering uh, many of us in this room um, our first speaker get opportunity to mothering the church, and you're going to hear more from that. But so Sherry Anderson's going to make her way up here. But before she comes up here, or as she comes up here, um, I met Sherry about 11 years ago. Uh, my wife and I, at the time, I was dating my wife. Her name was Holly, and then still is, by the way. And um, <laughs> shortly after that, we were dating. She asked me to marry her. I said yes, and that was a long story. But, but. We started going to this church called Praxis. It was about 40 people, um, and we would show up, and Sherry's son started that church. Sherry helped start that church, and Sherry stood out in front. Before there was greeters, there was Sherry there who gave a hug to every single person who came in. Um, and it's amazing. Those 20-something guys were like, I want to do that. No, that's awkward. For you, it's awkward. For Sherry, it was absolutely amazing, and it's been a blessing to us as she's mothered this church. So why don't you guys put your hands together for Sherry Anderson. there. This was hard the first service. It's actually harder the second service. Bear with me. Um, I'm Sherry Anderson, and I, like Ricardo said, have been part of the church from the beginning, and I just wanted to st start by saying how much I love being a mom, that it is the most joy you'll ever have, and the most sorrow you'll ever have, and the most mad you'll ever be. And it's just all those things balled up into one, and it's pretty amazing. When Tim and I first got dating and, mar and early married, we did it to start our family. So I'm just delighted to be part of my own family and part of the church family. So anyway, that's my little bitty. Um, I have been married to Pastor Tim, for those of you who don't know me, for almost 40 years. He is my partner in life, and because of him and with him, um, I'm part of this Mother's Day conversation. I am so grateful for his wisdom, his patience, his humor, and his faith in me, even when I decided to become a midwife, which is actually crazy. <laughs> I'm the mother of four and the grandmother of 18, which is amazing, and it's my favorite thing. I didn't really know how much I would love mothering and do, but tenfold, I love grandmothering. Um, as a midwife, I generally think of things through that lens. 
And so essentially, this church was born in my living room 12 years ago. And I consider it my first home birth catch. <laughs> I have been nurturing and loving and praying for this baby since it emerged. And I've had the experience of all the joys and sorrows that come with mothering a newborn. I can relate it to my own family. And when I think of mothering and what it means, I think of seasons. And for me, there have been seasons of joy and sorrow and growing and learning. And each new season brings its own unique challenges. Uh, when the church was birthed, a new season of my mothering started, as it did in our real life, because my firstborn son started this church. My husband and youngest son, very quickly after that, entered into the process, and they added their own talents and gifts, of which there are so many. We were probably in diapers longer than we hoped for. Both with each mess, we made, there was growth, and with each pain, there was joy. As my children in the church have matured, we drew closer, and there was a deep pleasure in seeing my husband and my children attempt to, be something, to build something that was pleasing to God, and they did it together. Uh, both stories grew and changed. A new, a new mothering and mother-in-lawing season came fast and furiously. I am so grateful for the spouses my children have brought to our family. They have each a, such a special place in my heart, and they're the reason I have 18 grandchildren. Both of my boys married wonderful women who have become integral parts of who our family, our church and home, has become, and I am so grateful for those women. In order to start children's ministry, before we had any children at church, Justin, our oldest, hired Caitlin Markley, who has been and always will be our children's director. But to keep her here, my youngest son married her. <laughs> Thanks, Ev. And through all the changes in the church, and there have been many, I just have to say thank you to Evan and his family. They have stayed constant, they have stayed near, and they have been so generous with their family, allowing me and Tim into it. And they have no idea how much that means to us. It's really special. There have been many labor pains along the way trials and challenges, and many failures. I personally struggle with change and the adjustments that come with those changes. I've had to rely on God for that. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing, is, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And that's in James. And for me, joy is really hard when I'm hurting. I've had to learn to mother differently for each kid. Angela, my youngest, I've had to learn to love from a distance. The choices she's made in her life have made it unsafe for us to enter. But she's still my kid, and it breaks my heart that her life is so sad and so hard, and I can't fix it. I know that God can change your heart, and I pray for that day. I had to let go and trust God that he was in control when my oldest daughter, Laurel, moved away, very far away. And it was so hard that day to watch her drive away. There was this difficult season when Justin, my oldest, decided to leave Redemption Tempe and move to San Francisco. 
when Justin left, I lost my son, his sweet wife, Emily, my grandchildren, and I lost the pastor of my church. So there was a lot to adjust to, and it was really hard. Um, my babies were leaving. I was heartbroken, and I really wondered, is there a place for me, a need for me and my mothering here in what is now redemption? And God told me yes, and I was needed. You're always a mother, regardless of where your kids are and what they're doing. Happily, in God's graciousness, he's bringing my oldest daughter, Laurel, and her family, her fabulous family, back to Arizona, which just translates into more joy and chaos. As we enter the teenage years here at Redemption, it is my hope that we recognize that with time and growth, there are opportunities to serve the Lord with the same intensity and purpose that we started with from day one. I want to thank all of those people who have stood with us in the trenches for so many years. Thank you all to the families who have allowed me to care for them and be a mother to them. It has been my absolute joy to see you grow, to mature, and growing with us in your faith right in front of me. It is my hope that we continue to serve the local church with a singular desire and that we glorify God and draw closer to him. Over the many seasons of mothering, I've learned a couple things. First, I don't get to choose for my children. They get to choose for themselves. So I pray. And secondly, God is always in control, and he always hears my prayers. Thank you. All right, so this next lady I met years ago and have known her family for a while. First met her oldest son, who is a blessing to our family's life, and then her whole family is a blessing to our life and has been a part of this church for a very, very long time. Um, has been my quote-unquote suburban mom who has traveled all the way from the Gilbert and, thank the good Lord, moved to Tempe, uh, evidence of grace in her life. Uh, and as we love so much the Green family, our family calls them the Green Team. And so without further ado, Lori Green. I'm Lori Green, and uh, we've attended here for nine years, and before that we were at East Valley for eight years, so we know a lot of you for a lot of, t lot of time. We were the family that walked in with five teenagers um, when there were only really teenagers going to this church, but ours were younger. Um, so first I have to thank my husband Jeff for his love and support and for making it possible for me to be a mom. I'm thankful for the way that he has loved and provided for our family and for being the best husband I could have hoped for. I'm going to talk about my experience because it's Mother's Day and I'm the mom, but largely it's our shared experiences that I'm talking about. Plus, he would sooner die than stand up here. <laughs> so. <laughs> God used some creativity in forming our family and making me a mother. I thought we would have two children. I have one brother, Jeff has one sister, we come from smaller families, and I never saw myself with a large family. I always planned to be a mom, but would have said you were crazy if you suggested I would raise six children. I came to Arizona from California to marry Jeff 27 years ago when I was just 21, and gave birth to our first precious son, Austin, when I was 23, and here I am 24 years later with plans to adopt our sixth child. 
My start to motherhood wasn't what I expected. Austin was a sweet and easy boy, but I had to work, and I was miserable working. Jeff and I were sinking in debt. He was working nights and going to school. Our young marriage was in danger. I couldn't be the mother, wife, or employee that I wanted to be, and I felt like a complete failure and became depressed. But God. God intervened through friends who offered to have us live with them for one year and pay off debt, allowing me to stay home, and it was an amazing year we call our year of jubilee. When we thought we were ready for a second child, we struggled with infertility, which we hadn't experienced the first time around. It took a few very frustrating years, and then we were shocked to learn that we were expecting triplets. <laughs> See how that kind of settles in over you? That's... Mm -hmm. The doctor said that with the limited amount of help that we had received to become pregnant, which really was not that extreme, uh, we had a 2% chance, so we didn't expect that. Uh, right about the time that I finally accepted the fact that we could handle triplets, we started to see that one of the babies was struggling to keep up with his brothers. At 26 weeks, he died in utero. At 33 weeks, I delivered all three boys. The entire experience was different, difficult, scary, you name it. Christian and Zach were very small, but otherwise healthy. They are now 19-year-old amazing boys who just completed their first year of college. I've been dealing with the loss of Noah for 19 years. I don't call the boys twins or triplets. To call them twins doesn't acknowledge Noah, but to call them surviving triplets opens up a painful conversation that I don't need to have with everyone unless I want to talk to all of you at once. <laughs> um, so last summer, Jeff and I, along with Austin, Christian, and Zach, sprinkled Noah's ashes in the ocean. I wanted to wait until the boys were adults and could participate and appreciate what we were doing, and it was a very sweet evening. After the boys had come, we settled into a routine, and I believed that we were done having children. After all, three busy boys were plenty, and I was only planning to have two. We had a healthy marriage, amazing boys, nice house in Gilbert, but then God started moving in our hearts to adopt. Not only did I see myself having a small family, I never considered adoption. It just wasn't on my radar. But God, he changed my heart and gave me a desire to help children who needed a family. In 2003, I looked into the Russian children who were coming in groups of 20 for a couple weeks at a time looking for um, forever families. Long story short, we adopted a brother and a sister from Russia in 2004. Cute little Vova was seven and ready to party with lots of charisma, and Katya was a more reserved but sweet little 11-year-old beauty. We laughingly found ourselves with five kids from ages six to 11. We traveled in a crowd and bought a Suburban, and I still drive it 13 years later. Now we had five kids going to Christian school. I had started working when Christian and Zach went to kindergarten to cover the tuition, which also happened to be the year that we adopted. At the same time, Jeff changed his job, uh, his position at UPS. He went from driving the brown package car that you see to a semi, and that meant working lots of nights and crazy hours, so we were very busy. The first eight years after the adoption went really well when you consider the fact that seven very different personalities lived under one roof. Even having five teenagers at once was manageable. It just made me a little nuts. They all got along well enough, played lots of sports, had jobs, all the things that teenagers do. 
But in 2012, Katya began to struggle. And then in 2014, Vova did the same. We tried every which way to help them through, but quickly learned that we were very limited in our ability to help them. This is their journey. God is at work, and we are loving them and waiting. We've made very difficult decisions, gotten the phone calls you don't want to get, and learned a lot of lessons we really could have done without. But we are so thankful for the resources available for parents of addicts, for the love of friends and family, and for the encouragement and prayers of our pastors here at Redemption. Which brings us to our soon-to-be sixth child. She is our granddaughter, who we will be raising as our daughter. Just about the time we were to become empty nesters, God brought us the most precious little girl to love. She's 18 months old now, and our adoption will be complete a week from tomorrow. God was gracious to let me be at her birth, and it was my first one to witness. We brought her home at four days old and are hopelessly in love with her. With her. Kinship adoption is about as complicated as I hope to ever experience. Hurt feelings, unmet expectations, not to mention court, social workers, caseworkers, multiple agencies, home inspections, it's all a lot to invite into your family. So when I think about being a mother, the means God uses comes to mind. It should be easy for you to imagine some of the heartaches that have come with being a mother. Infertility, losing Noah, the pain that makes adoption necessary, seeing your children struggle, not to mention the feelings of inadequacy and rejection that sneak up on me when I'm at a low point. We are still in a very difficult part of our journey, but God, he is gracious to let us witness such great things in the lives of our children. There is no greater joy than when my children choose to worship and serve with me and come home for a big lunch on Sundays. To spend time um, encouraging one another is a treasure that I hope to never take for granted. And the way that he has provided and protected our little Gigi is nothing short of miraculous. I can attest to the adage that the days are long, but the years are short. I'm living it. I can't believe my oldest will be 25 this summer because it flew. But I'm also living how long days can be with a toddler. I had forgotten how fun tantrums are. <laughs> you saw us holding her up here. <laughs> She's busy. But just about the time she takes me to my limit, she gives me a big hug and says, ah. Some of the hardest lessons for me to learn in my journey of being a mother have been to hold loosely to the results. I've had to unclench my jaw and my hands. That God is in control of the outcome, and that's actually a good thing. Being a type A person, I functioned as though it was a bad thing. How foolish I've been. I was so shocked when we started to have serious struggles. I believed it if I did everything right, that they would turn out right. Moms, do what you think is best in raising your children, but trust God with the outcome. That's his responsibility and not yours. You are not in control. And I often, I've talked to many moms that have kids in the same stage as mine, and we all said, wow, this is not what I, I mean some, not all, not to scare you to death, but some have said, Oh my gosh, this is not what I expected. Nobody told me, but I don't know if we would have heard them when we were young and, and our we picked our kids' clothes and combed their hair and we had control. <laughs> so I've also learned that joy equals gratitude. And I've read A Thousand Gifts by Ann Boskamp twice and I'll probably read it again. I have to keep looking for God's gifts and his goodness because they are there, but I am prone to wander. 
So I've asked myself a hundred times in the last two weeks, why am I talking today? What's the point of me talking? Many of you have more difficult situations than I have. There are way wiser moms who could do a much better job of speaking. But I think the point for me is that in the midst of the difficult circumstances, God has been there for me. It's not just a Christian-y thing to say. It's how I've made it through. He's teaching me to trust him, and he's stripping away the stuff I don't need. I'm not anything special, but God, is, in his grace, is using me. I want to encourage parents with that. I've loved and I've battled. I've screwed up so much. I focused way too much on my feelings and felt sorry for myself. But God's grace is much bigger than my mistakes. He keeps working on and through me. I want to point you to Christ, as Philip did in John 1.46, when he said, come and see. I want to be able to point you to what, the ways that God has shown himself good and sufficient in my trials. So to all six of my wonderful children, I want to say that I love you very much, and I'm so thankful to be your mom. And I'll leave you with this verse, Habakkuk 3.17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the yields, fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Thank you. All right. You guys, it's interesting watching all the moms. Every time a mom up here will give, like, some sort of experience or whatnot, everybody's doing this. And all the guys are like, I don't remember any of that ever happening. <laughs> So that's way to Father's Day. All right. So we got an opportunity to hear from Sydney Carrillo, whose husband's also an elder here, who has been a part of the church for a long time, who's been a part of the city of Tempe for a while, and is absolutely a fun, 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 fun person to be around. And uh, you guys are going to enjoy hearing from her. So give her a round of applause. I'm Cindy, my husband, Andy. Been married 39 years and um, love being here at Tempe. When um, Ricardo asked me to come up, I thought he meant he wanted to see our family, and so I was going to bring up all of our slides since 1981, like our vacation pictures, my grandkids, and then I, I don't think he wanted that. So instead, I brought a story. Let's have a baby. I th think back, oh, so many years ago, and that's how it started. A couple weeks after my first child, Tony, was born, I found myself sitting on the floor surrounded by dirty laundry, a hungry, crying baby, and me sobbing my eyes out. What the heck? This is not what I signed up for. And I was even mad because Andy did not acknowledge me on Mother's Day during my pregnancy. That was then, and this is now. We are never really in control. And accepting that you know nothing and have to trust is so overwhelming for control freaks like myself. For people who like quiet spaces, planned out time, things to be orderly, who think that being blessed is because I planned well, <laughs> trusting becomes a very serious issue. We'll put those plans in pencil because God has other ideas especially if you ever plan to be in life at all, and having a baby is actually having a family. 
when kids are little, you're trying to keep them alive. <laughs> but you're also trying to raise adults who will not be total jerks. <laughs> and this is no easy task. It never was. It's no harder now than it was way back when. On top of that, we're to be cutting those cords so those kids will do just as the Bible says, leave and cleave. This is not easy, and none of us are thinking of this or prepared for it. None of us know what we're doing. None is any better at it, so stop comparing yourself to others. Though there's lots of books written with advice from people who think they have it all figured out, just remember the Bible says, all kids are jerks. <laughs> somewhere, this is paraphrased, this is paraphrased, of course. It's somewhere in Romans somewhere, I don't know. All kids are sinners. All parents are sinners. You put those two together, it spells lots of trouble. I found that all my childless relatives and friends are experts at child-rearing ideas. Even people who only have dogs gave me advice. And I do not recall me asking any of these people for help. Understand, excuse me, I've been crying. Understand that all moms are just winging it. They might act like they have it all together, but don't buy it. Cut your own mom some slack, and then cut yourself some slack. If your kids are still blaming you for stuff, just wait. They will eventually have kids who will act up and behave terrible, just like their dad did at their age, and it is so worth the wait. <laughs> I have children by birth and sin papeles without papers. I have had the privilege to serve some who needed mothering, not smothering, if just for a little while, even if they didn't know it at the time. Through the years, we've had all of our bedrooms full and the couches were even occupied. Of my birth kids, we had boys first, totally terrifying. My friends all had girls, quiet, nice, inside voice girls. I suggest to you moms of boys, find friends quickly right away who also have boys or you'll think you're going mad. When I would describe some of the dumb stuff my boys were doing, my girlfriends would just look at me with pity and even suggest counseling or put me on the 24-hour prayer chain. <laughs> Moms and boys, you guys get it. We have to be willing to be the bad guy and be continually consistent. The principal had our phone number on speed dial. <laughs> the boys dreaded it if the principal said that they're calling their parents because they knew we would make their life miserable. But there was never any doubt about their being loved. We were consistent there as well. Having a daughter was such a surprise. Veronica observed the boy's actions and their resulting punishment, but she was able to connect the dots. <laughs> so her life went so much smoother, and so did ours. She did not get enough of my time, which I deeply regret. In spite of that, she is strong, confident, amazing woman who I now can go to for advice and counsel. She's getting married next week. <laughs> yes, how exciting. I know firsthand that mothering a child has nothing to do with giving birth. God brought little Katie into our lives. She needed more than just a playmate way back then at the age of five. She later moved into us when her daddy passed away, and she's ours now. And I have a wonderful relationship with her mother, odd, but we would have to have hand puppets to explain all that. So we won't go there. We had the privilege of loving on Kara when she lost both her parents. 
Kara moved right into our home, perfectly fit in with our family. Our kids accepted her with love. They get it. The question should never be, do you have room or money in your house, but do you have room in your heart? Being a grandma makes up for all the gray hair and those terrible junior high years. We have six wonderful grandkids. I babysit as much as possible so that my kids can have time alone, and they need it. I feel it is the best way I can serve them. I try to butt out of their lives. I don't want to give them any drama. I don't want to cause arguments over holidays. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just babysit as much as you can. My mom and dad are living with us now. And I have no idea what I'm doing, once again. <laughs> day to day, I just try to be consistent. I try to use good judgment, and I love on them. Not that different from what I've been learning all along. Stop, I stopped trying to have unrealistic expectations for them and for myself, and that's helped, again. Put away those expectations for, your, for you, for yourself, for your kids, for my, my husband. My family has changed and has changed everything for me and how I view myself as a caregiver. We often expect more from others than we do from ourselves, but they're just all sinners, just like we are. Uh, don't plan so much. Just butt out and let it go. Watch them grow and have joy watching it happen. We are all called, really, to mother, not to smother people who cross our paths in our lives. It gets messy, but it's worth it. I know that each of these souls will grow and care for each other and later, when someone needs a couch, they'll have one to offer. Just be consistent, stay true, trust God, love your kids unconditionally. No strings attached. That's not easy. No strings attached, no matter what stupid things they do. And why? Because God does that for you. Thank you. All right, so we got one more speaker. My mom's going to come on stage, Brenda Stewart, um, and so she will get a chance to speak with us. Before we do that, my, my whole family came in town this weekend because my, my wife graduated from law school, which was a big deal for us. And with that, yeah. The whole, the whole time she was asking for my help, I basically did half the work for her, but that's not even why we're here today. Um, my aunt was able to fly in town, my whole family. We don't have family that lives here in Arizona, so it's, it's been a really, really important week for us. In fact, to get everybody in, it's, it, it's, it's incredible. But my aunt, who you guys won't get a chance to hear from, is my second mom. We've had two moms. I have my mom, who you guys are going to hear from, and my aunt, her younger sister, who uh, actually named me. And that's a whole other story that some of you guys know and don't know, because my mom didn't name me something. Um, she named me one thing, and my aunt called up to the hospital and changed it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Apparently in Mississippi you can do that. So, uh, but I did want to acknowledge her as just someone who's also just raised me to be who I've been. Um, a lot of people say, you know, you, if you had two moms and that replace of a man, and the reality of it is uh, two, two moms don't ever replace a man. Um, I just had two strong black women raise me, um, which is like eight men. So, um, <laughs> so I'm gonna invite my mom on stage so you guys can give her applause as she comes on stage. This don't get easy. Huh? 
the second time around, praise God. Ricardo, Sean, Mr. Tim, he's going to put no time on me. But praise God. <laughs> Amen. Me speaking as a mother, which I didn't mention this morning, I was trying to state to those 10 minutes that uh, a mama and a grandmother, I have four grandsons. And I y'all know y'all know Noah and Eli. But I have a Brandon and a Jante. <laughs> Amen. So this today I want to talk about the love of a mother's. Amen. And a mother's love is unconditional. She sees the best in her children, even when they drive her crazy. Mothers, we had some crazy moments. Amen? <laughs> but first, I have to mention my mom. She told us what it was a mother's be my mother love. She was a single mom. She raised five children. I was the second girl next to the oldest, had a brother. And she would tell us, you have five of you, and y'all have each other. What she taught us was love. Didn't have much money, but she taught us love, amen? It was a struggle, her raising us being single, but the one that was under us, they didn't know the struggle. But me and my oldest brother, we knew the struggle, and we helped my mom. I had one sister which is in Mississippi, and she done got grown now, two kids of her own. She was saying, I want my children to have everything. I didn't know we was poor. We wasn't poor. We was rich in the Lord. Amen? <laughs> he owned all the cattle on the hill, so we was not poor. <clears throat> so now it came to my time, turn, to be a mother. Three children. My daughter, Takesha. My oldest son, Sherman. And Ricardo, which is Sean to us, but we're going to call him Ricardo. <laughs> He's the baby. Okay, raise those. And I found myself in the same situation as a single mom. Married, but a single mom. And I know some of y'all say, well, how did that happen? You married. Well, my three children which they were called, say, they didn't say my mama, our mama. Everything was our mama. Our mama was the one that they came to for everything. Dad was in the house just like he wasn't there because he was our mama. So, and later, we really became that single, I really became that single mom. So, by me being that single mom, I had to become a super mom. But I was told this morning, uh, one of the young ladies, Barbara, in the morning service, she said, no, not the super mom, because you driving back and forth and all of that. You've been here on Wednesday, came back on Friday, you wonder woman. <laughs> but I was telling this morning that Superman didn't have nothing on me. He stepped in the boot, came back out a hero. Amen. This super mom... <laughs> Didn't step in no boot to become a hero. 
but I had to step on that job, take care of the children, take care of the house, pay the bills with the little money I had, but I'm rich in the Lord. <laughs> Amen? And I became that super mom. And I would share this. Ricardo called me when Holly was going through school one day. He said, Mom, how you do it? Noah got to be at this practice. Eli had to be at this practice. Whew, I don't know how you did it. But God, because he had to go here, the other had to go there. So it was a struggle. But he felt the struggle. Amen. But God. Now, as a mother's love, you want to make sure that your children is always safe. Growing up, oh, I better go back over here. My job, my job was far from where we live. It wasn't far. The traffic just was bad in L.A. And I worked down in the Glendale area, had to ride a 210, so I would get home. It would take me an hour or longer depending on the traffic. So Ricardo and his brother at the time was in elementary. Their sister was back in Mississippi with my mom. So they was told to come in the house. They got, I got them a babysitter. So I said, the babysitter, get them off the bus, make sure they get in the house in this area. I got home one day, the babysitter came to me and said, am I fired? And I looked at her, she said, Sean said I was fired. <laughs> I say, okay, I talked to Sean. He said, she cussed me, she was fired. <laughs> she was fired. So after she was fired, the boys, you know, they talk about the latchkey kids, they did well. So they was told to get off the bus, go in the house, and wait till I get home. They had things to do. They, the other brother could cook for them. Sean, Ricardo, no. He just wasn't that kid that stayed in the house. Whether you was home or not, he was the daredevil. I got to go. I think he bribed his brother not to... Uh, tell it that he was outside before I got home. But one day his second mom came by. He was outside when he was supposed to be in the house. And she asked him, why are you outside? He just said, I just can't help it. I got to go outside. <laughs> she say, I can't help it. I got to whoop you. <laughs> so Ricardo got a whooping. But that didn't stop him from going outside. Okay, I didn't know what to do or how to raise a child. So I did it by the word of God. They can tell you, early in the morning, KJ was little. They went to get up, read the word before I left home. Now, you know, he said, train them up. I did that. Mothers, fathers too. Train them up in the way they should go. And truly, when they grow up, They'll come back. I'm not saying they're not going to go out there and do some things. Amen. But I never had to get them out of jail. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Okay. So he grew up. But as he was growing up, and I was in the word, I didn't spare the rod. You know, I read that to him real good. Proverbs 13, 24. I had, to buy, I had a Bible. I forgot what it was. I cannot find that Bible today because I need it for my grandsons so I can read it to them when I'm whooping them. I love you. I don't hate you. 
I'm doing this to save your life. <laughs> but at that time, Ricardo and I'm like, you sure? You beating us. <laughs> but praise God, they grew up, that's how I thought it. But as many children, as my children grew up, they was drugged. Yep, they was raised being drugged. Ricardo was drugged to youth night. He was drugged to choir rehearsal. He was drugged to church. He'd been drugged all of his life. <laughs> when he was younger, he said one day, when I, we had been, he had been drugged out to a practice for the Easter program, resurrection program. He said, I wanted to be just like Jesus when I grew up, but now I got to be like the karate kid. Big hit me. <laughs> so I was like, okay, he didn't want to be like Jesus no more. But as we see today, he's being like Jesus. Amen. That was that unconditional love. Who is the one who ultimately loved us but Christ? He loved us. He gave us Jesus. Uh, the Father, Father gave us our, his son, Jesus Christ, who loves us unconditionally. Parents, mother, love your children unconditionally. They may do things that we don't like, that we didn't plan for them, but yet we want the best for them. So we have to love them. When they don't listen, just give them a whooping. <laughs> Amen. For we know that God is love. Amen. stuff just wasn't true. Um, <laughs> she keeps saying like, you begin whooping, you begin whoopings. So if you guys know what whoopings are, I think, we, I think many of us call them spankings. Um, or timeouts. Well, they weren't timeouts. These timeouts had physical consequences. <laughs> All right, so this has been an absolute gift to us today. And so as... <laughs> oh, man. I mean, because you, you just keep hearing, as Sydney was saying, like, when they, get, when they get older, you know, they have kids, and you can watch them. I'm going through that, right? And I'm, and I'm going, I don't think I was like these children. My mom was like, you was just like them. I was like, no, I don't, I don't think that was like these kids, right? So, <laughs> no. So, <laughs> they're, uh, Here's the hard part about being a child in this, and I, and I, and I believe that if Evan and Evan's here, if Justin were here, with Sherry too, and then also Sydney's kids are here, and then Lori's kids are here. Even if you are an adult, your parents still treat you in these moments like kids. I keep telling my mom, this is my church, okay? Why don't you go ahead and uh, <laughs> the church she grew up in, we never ended on time. We're going to end on a certain time, and so we can get off to some stuff like that. So we're going to be here all day. So... <laughs> We tell the Holy Spirit, now's a good time. <laughs> so here's what we're going to do. I want you guys to go ahead and thank these mothers as they make their way off the stage. <laughs>